0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the forecast. I am your host, Chris Core. Today's episode is all going to be about Worlds. It was the week-long tournament with a great ending, ending for MPO. Um, FPO was also a great week to watch too, as well. So, really, just catching up on the week of Worlds is so what we're going to be focusing on here today. Uh, we are going to start off with the FPO. It's more so hell. I'm always going to be doing it. Then I'll be able to jump over to the MPO. But just expect it to all be worlds related we will have a topic of the week Um, believe it or not this topic of the week will also be worlds too as well Um, so if you are still on the hype from worlds from this weekend and the conclusion on saturday this is the episode for you and we'll jump into it right now so starting things off we will jump into the fpo fpo winner is kristen tatar that's the first thing i just got to get out of the way i think that anybody who made predictions for this world's had Kristen winning I don't think there was a doubt in anyone's mind that this was Kristen's tournament to win Uh, she is the best FPO player right now her dominance is just ridiculous she has played so well in this tournament she played well too there were days that she was trailing and obviously she didn't lead the entire week she did have some in the early days where it did seem like okay this might come down to it towards the end but not too much doubt i mean she finishes a 38 under uh henna Bloomrose comes in second um 30 under so eight stroke difference and then after that another five stroke drop off past that point so it was kristen's tournament especially in the later days too as well later on in the week it was very clear that kristen was gonna be taking it home and she did her first ever world championship It's Kristen is the type of person where I look at Kristen and how well she's played, and I just think, you know, I wish she would have jumped in a little earlier. Obviously, she's been playing for years, but for the Pro Tour itself, how dominant she is, she really has just kind of come into the scene three years ago. So it's about a three-year period that she's really been sticking around, and she has really stood her ground and really shown up. I mean, a world championship here, um, she just dominated it i mean the last round she went 10 under on the last round just an absolutely dominating performance um nobody else really anywhere close to performing that well on the final day we have a couple seven unders but nothing really close to that whatsoever so a big moment for kristen i think one thing that When I was watching this tournament and looking back, I kept thinking about the first major of this year, Um, the very last hole, Kristen putting back and forth, and then Paige ended up sweeping it right behind her, and that was not the case for this. She was lights out. Last round, she came to play. I mean, the 10-under round to finish things off is huge, and to see that mental composure come back is really exciting because... That first tournament, there was so much going on. The, the the scandal with her daughter and her daughter being on the course and all this. It, it was a lot that led to a big pressure situation, especially in a major tournament. So now that she had this tournament come around again, it was really exciting. It was great to see Kristen. I think it's hard to root against Kristen. I think that most disc golfers truly just enjoy watching her play. She's phenomenal to watch. She's just All around just seems like a very positive person to play with. Um, I definitely enjoy watching her play, and I enjoy watching dominant players. I enjoy watching the best of the best, and right now, Kristen Tatar is the best FPO player, and it was clear with her performance here uh, during this weekend. She's not the only big story. There's some other big things. I think obviously people are going to be talking about Paige Pierce. Going for that sixth title was not able to come up with it. Paige Pierce does finish fifth. She shot seven on her her last round. But, I mean, she was quite a ways away. Over ten strokes behind of Kristen. Never really in it. And she struggled the first few days. She did find her footing much like Kristen towards the end. But not to the same degree. Paige struggled. It was not pretty whatsoever. She was one of my picks to finish um in the top five. Um, I actually only got one of those picks right. The only pick I got right in my top five was Kristen Tatar. Um, everybody else did not show up to that same degree. But Paige Pierce, that's the big story is that she did not take this world championship. And I think the conversation is gonna start coming up is is she going to win another one ever again? FPO is evolving so much and MPO is already there. MPO is already evolved to a point where anybody could really go out and get a world championship and the best of the best really got to fight every time. But FPO is slowly getting to the point where we're seeing one of the best disc golfers of all time in FPO, not barely even make it into the top five. I, I think this is coming to the end of Paige's reign winning worlds as often as she has she's a five-time worlds champion I don't see her I, I don't want to say I don't see her ever winning one again because I, it's Paige Pierce and you do still want to bet on the best of the best but I with Kristen still playing with people like Val coming up and a lot younger players coming up even somebody like Kat Merch who's playing uh, pretty well this season I think it's just too much competition and I don't I don't want to say I don't see Paige winning next year, but I don't. I really don't see Paige winning next year. She did struggle this this tournament, and it, was, it wasn't the worst struggles ever. She did finish fifth, so it's not like she finished like 20th, but it just wasn't the same Paige Pierce. It didn't seem like she had the same confidence out there on the course. Some other noticeable finishes is Missy Gannon coming in at fourth. So Missy was somebody who I... I'm very hard on missy i would say uh it's not that i don't I, it's just missy is so she's very inconsistent I, I do think that she's a great player she's a very positive um energy on the course too as well so she's a lot of fun to watch but she finishes fourth and that's huge because a lot of people are talking about this is her time in the season this is when she starts catching fire in a fourth finish i would constitute as still staying hot i don't think that's her cooling down whatsoever i don't think that's her slowing down whatsoever i think this is Missy's time of the year, it seems like. I don't know if it's the courses that she's so good at or if it's this time of the year or what it is. But when it comes to the second half of the season, Missy Gannett is someone to bet on. I mean, coming in on fourth, I think that's a huge feat. It shut me up quite a bit because I think going into this, I wasn't expecting Missy to even finish top 10. And she finishes fourth, so a big show up there for Missy. Um, Other people I talked about, so I talked about Val finishing top five. Uh, Val Mandujano did finish tied for ninth. Um, we all also had Own Scoggins coming at 7th all so I had in the top 5, and then Katrina Allen finished 11th, so Katrina Allen going all the way down to 11th place after winning last year. Um, different course, different weather conditions, so a very different type of feel um, than what you're normally going to have, but... A big drop-off there for Katrina. So Katrina and Paige, those are the two of the biggest names you will find in disc golf, especially for FPO, and both of them falling quite a bit down. But it was Kristen's week. Kristen was a dominating force. She caught fire at the end and just took off. So a big congratulations to Kristen Tatar. I, for one, I did really enjoy watching her play this week, and it's exciting to see another dominating force emerge in FPO. So a lot of fun to watch Kristen play this week. All right. So we are going to be jumping over now to talk about the MPO and what a round, what a week this was. This was an incredible incredible worlds on the mpo side um fpo was great too but Kristen just dominated but this was no dominating effort it was a two-man race coming down to the end of it realistically throughout the week it was just this back and forth of who's gonna take it the beginning of the week tristan tanner seemed like he was the really big front runner uh tris Tristan did a really good job of just kind of solidifying himself for the, about the first three days. Um, anytime you tuned into coverage, uh, Tristan was going to be on lead card. Tristan did have a lead for quite some time, and then he just kind of wheedled himself down and started to fall back. And at that point, that is when we did see Macbeth and Gossage take flight. And that's when it was the two man race the last two days. Really, Friday and Saturday was Macbeth versus Gossage. There wasn't really that big... Scary feeling that somebody was going to catch them. I mean, you had somebody like Anthony Brilla on the last day just absolutely chased them down. Um, you did have Matt, Matty O stuck around for quite some time. Um, Chris Clemens and Tr- Tristan Tanner, they they stuck there. But it wasn't like they were in it to get it at the very end. It was Gossage versus Macbeth. And it was this kid versus the goat. And it was a battle. I think the pressure was really on Macbeth. I know that we have this um, younger guy going against the greatest disc golfer of all time. But that, that's not the same pressure as you are the greatest disc, golf all, disc golfer of all time. You are playing against a younger kid. You have all this weight on you. People saying that you're washed up. People saying that you're done. You're not going to be winning. You haven't won an event all year. Macbeth hasn't come out and won an elite series this year. He's not performing like people expect paul mcbeth to perform so the pressure is on him because if paul mcbeth drops this week and he doesn't win worlds against aaron gossage this young kid then everyone's gonna just keep talking about he's washed up he's not gonna win again he can't win he can't do this he can't do that and and, he showed everyone up it was a phenomenal finish i mean the last round mcbeth goes 10 under gossage goes three under gossage goes into the round with a lead And Macbeth able to pull that lead out for him. A three-stroke difference. Three-stroke lead for Gossage. The biggest comeback in world's history. Never has there been a player to come back from three strokes back. And Gossage just couldn't hold on to it. And the thing is, is that it wasn't even that Gossage played poorly. He didn't throw a, he didn't have a single bogey in the final round. Macbeth had a bogey, but Macbeth also had a lot more birdies than that sense too, as well. But it was the mental, just... Focus for Macbeth. The, the hole that Aaron Gossage is going to be thinking about for some time is hole 16 on the very last round. When him and Macbeth land almost the same exact shots, and Gossage goes to putt, hits bottom basket, and Macbeth comes up and drills it. I mean, there were some big shots throughout the round, too, as well, but that was a tit for tat shot right there. If Gossage makes that shot on hole 16, Gossage wins. There's no doubt in my mind that Aaron Gossage takes it home because Macbeth then birdies 17 and Gossage uh, birdies 18. And then we go into the playoff. But if he's able to birdie that, that's game because Macbeth isn't going to birdie 18. And Macbeth's 18 was scary. Macbeth's 18 made me feel like that was it and that Macbeth might lose at that point. But 16 was a putt that Gossage should have made. He did not make it. And it's just that mental fortitude. You know, it's your first time there. If he would have won, it would have been his first Elite Series win out of Major. He's never won an Elite Series. And he's about to win Worlds, which is the biggest Major there really is. So the fact that he didn't come out and win... I don't think it says anything to how well he played. He played phenomenal disc golf this week. He closed off, closed out great. He had one putt really that he should have made that he didn't. He threw out of bounds on the very last, on the playoff. And even then, that was a hole he already had a bad missed putt. So they really went right back to 16 where he already has maybe this little bad energy feeling around it. Maybe not feeling the most confident about it because he just missed a putt. And that's really what cost him there. So hole 16 here. At Emporia, I think, is Aaron Gossage's new just rival. He I know next year coming out, he's gonna want to bury that hole every time because it got to him here. Lost it on 16, lost it on the playoff, and Macbeth takes it home. And what a great moment for Paul Macbeth. I think that looking through just kind of social media about disc golf leading into this week or going into the last round is everybody was on team Paul Macbeth. It was rare to see anybody rooting against Paul at this point. I think everybody wants to say that they've seen the greatest player of all time and Paul McBeth picking up his sixth is arguably I think the best player of all time and um, I'll talk a little bit about more of that in the topic of the week but McBeth just lights out he went into beast Mode. I mean, circle two putts, just great drives, would fall behind on a hole, but then come back the next hole. It was a spectacle to watch. I mean, this guy just performed six world championships, hasn't won an event, like I said, all year, and then comes out and just dominates. You could put any course in the world, and you tell Paul McBeth it's going to be the world championship, and he's going to come out and perform. The past 10 years now, he has come in first or second. Winning six of those, I mean, that win percentage is ridiculous. And the fact that you are able to so consistently stick around at the World Championships, I mean, hats off to him. Just a great performer, a great competitor, all around just Paul McBeth, a great week for the World Championship. Championship. And kind of looking back now now, everyone else who performed so really the tops that we're gonna be looking at is Macbeth, and then gossage in second tanner clemens and oram finishing in third i think seeing maddie o finish like that was really exciting a lot of people say matt's not gonna really win anything and he might not he might not win anything this year but he's really done a good job of making himself stick around he has been in every tournament within the top 10 i feel like i feel like it's very rare to see maddie o not finish towards the top I think some big standouts that I had seen that I'll talk about here. Um, First big standout is Nate Sexton. Papa Nate Sexton. Tied for ninth. A top 10 finish for the old man. And I say that with a bunch of love. I know Nate's not that old, but he's Papa Nate Sexton. He is um, just somebody that you don't look at as in his prime anymore. He's not this big competitor anymore. But he comes out and finishes ninth. He played great. He is the... Least flashy disc golfer you will ever see. He goes out, he has the fundamentals set, and he performs to his game. He doesn't try to play outside of his game. He doesn't try to make these big shots or do more than what he's trying to do. He goes out, he makes his shots, he makes his putts, and he finishes top nine in the world. So, phenomenal performance from Nate Sexton. Um, I was extremely impressed. I love Nate Sexton, I will admit. Um, He's a great. I enjoy his commentary. I love Jomez Pro, and I was thrilled to see Nate Sexton finish in ninth. And speaking of finishing ninth, Ricky Wysocki finishing 11th. So Ricky, talked as one of the best disc golfers in the world right now, finishes 11th, not what you want to see. I mean, Ricky's been dealing with a lot of injuries this year. Um, He's been in and out, just not competing, but that was a trend with a lot of people because you go down even further and you're going to see Simon Lazat, who's won three Elite Series this season, finish 25th. I mean, this was not an easy course. It's not like Paul Macbeth had this cakewalk to win because then if you go even further down, you're going to see Eagle McMahon finishing 38th. 38th. Eagle McMahon, Simon Lazat 25th. Eagle has played, is arguably the best disc golfer in the world right now. Not of all time, but of right now. He's phenomenal. He's played with injuries all season, much like Ricky has. But Simon has just played great this season and he finishes 25th. So this course was brutal and it really did take it to a lot of our big players, which I think has to really speak volumes to how well... Macbeth played and how well gossage played too i don't want to downplay how well gossage played this weekend as well the competitors that have played the best this season which i would argue are raisaki dickerson um, and dickerson did finish 12th um, and lazat and i would argue eagle has played phenomenal this season too as well and the little times he has played and then Macbeth and gossage just come out and tear it up so really don't want to take away from how big of a win this was it is the world championship but it also was not a very easy course to play. The conditions are always crazy. There was a lot of controversy as to the a pull and b pool. It's the same course. The conditions are going to be crazy. But Paul Macbeth, a huge win. So congratulations to Mr. Paul Macbeth. And we are going to be jumping over now to our topic of the week. All right. So the topic of the week this week it's going to be a little controversial one. It is Macbeth and Climo. Who is better? That's what it's going to be. Macbeth just picked up his sixth world championship compared to Climo's 12th. The conversation has to happen. I think people are always going to bring up uh, Ken Climo being the best. People are going to argue that Macbeth is the best. I'm going to give my little take on this. We're going to talk about it here for a few minutes. So starting off, let's talk about. Just events played. So, Ken Climo to start. Ken Climo has played 468 total events. Um, During those total events, he has won 232 of them. That's an exact 50% that he has won. Um, This is in comparison to Macbeth. Macbeth has played 380 total events. Um, He's won 137 of those. That's a 36% win ratio. So, um, 14% lower. Um, It's still pretty good. It is really going to be up there. Um, So that's the first statistic. Um, Of that, Macbeth has podiumed on 67% of them um, compared to Climo 76, a little bit higher there. The top 10 for Climo is 96. Top 10 for Macbeth is 90. Um, He's cashed. Macbeth, that is, has cashed in 92% of events um, compared to Climo, who cashed in 98% of his events. This is the really big starting point for this discussion. If you look at events played, Climo has played the more events. He With more events, he's also won more. He's had more opportunities to win. He's also had more opportunities to podium. Climo also played in an era where it really um, was different disc golf. If you go back and look at Ken Climo's career, the first time he played was 1987. And he continues to play pretty consistently um, all the way up to 2008, 2009. You can just kind of see it's still going. He's still consistently playing in these tournaments. And then he kind of just stops here um, in 2017 is really where he does stop. And towards that point, he starts getting up there in age. He's more so finishing in the in-betweeners. But in the beginning of his career, he is dominant. The problem is is that disc golf just didn't have – that same competition, it's very difficult to to compare these two players when they played in very different eras. It's as if we wanted to compare uh, somebody like Bill Russell with LeBron James. Um, I'm not a very big LeBron fan. I will disclaim that. Um, I am a Warriors fan, so a little bit of disdain with LeBron, but LeBron is known as one of the best basketball players of this era. But to compare LeBron to somebody like Bill Russell, who has 12 NBA championships, is one of the best basketball players of all time. It's very different. It's very difficult. Or even comparing somebody like Wilt Chamberlain, somebody who changed the game of basketball, you can't compare him all that much to even somebody like Michael Jordan, to LeBron James, to Kobe Bryant. And it's the same exact thing we have here with disc golf. I think that disc golf has gotten to a point where there are so many, there's so much great talent in disc golf. You have somebody like Aaron Gossage, just this young kid come out of nowhere and almost win worlds. You have somebody like Gannon Burr play phenomenally this season. You have all these big name players battling it out now, but with Climo's era, you don't have that. And Climo really does kind of start to have that more so of a battle when Barry Schultz comes along, when Nate Doss starts playing. That's when we start seeing that this era of disc golf start to form away from the Ken Climo era and more into this mixed bag. But even then, that mixed bag didn't really take full flight until just a few years ago. This last decade is when you see disc golf become this big competitive Money machine in a way, and then now these past few years, it's gotten even bigger. So Macbeth just plays in such a different era. So if you're, so I I guess the the question I should answer is if Macbeth and Climo played at their prime, who's winning? And I think it's almost impossible for me to say that Macbeth does not win. I think that the course is now. Are more difficult than they used to be. I think the discs are very different. I think that the pressure put on from these tournaments has evolved to a point where I don't think Climo competes against Macbeth. The, just a dire determination that Macbeth has when he does turn it on. Like in this world championship, when he turned it on and he knew he could win, he turned it on. And I'm not saying Ken Clamow didn't have that. I will also admit that I, I I didn't watch Ken Clamow play. I didn't watch disc golf back in 19... 19- 87, because I wasn't born until 1997. So yes, there is a little generational gap where I'm watching Paul Macbeth, and I would like to say yes, I think Paul Macbeth is the greatest disc golfer, disc golfer of all time, because I would love to say I've seen the best, and I truly think I have. I think that Paul Macbeth has stuck around. He has half the world championships that Ken Climo has, but he has double the competition. I think that Ken Climo needs to be known as the grandfather of disc golf, really the founder of this is what it means to be the best of the best. That's truly what Ken Climo is in the history of disc golf. He is a reminder that disc golf has this great history, this great starting point um, back in the 80s with Climo, Barry Schultz, Nate Doss and all of them. And then disc golf really takes flight with Paul Macbeth. I think Paul Macbeth is the master of disc golf. I think Paul Macbeth made disc golf what it needed to be. And he was exactly what disc golf needed at this time too as well. So I'll have a guest on this at some point. Once I start getting some guests in on this show, this is a topic I definitely want to come back to. But my stance, especially after a six world championship, halfway to catching... Climo, which I will admit, he will never catch Climo, but the fact with how many more competitors there are now, how different the courses are, how changed disc golf is, the pressure, the presence, having the cameras there, it's a different sport. Climo is the founder, the the creator of what disc golf is today, but he is not the greatest of all time. The six-time world champion Paul McBeth is the greatest disc golfer of all time. That is going to do it here for the forecast. I appreciate everyone for listening in. It was a great week of Worlds, a great week of disc golf. The World Championship shows up and shows out every single year. Last year was phenomenal, this year is phenomenal. So, really excited for next year's Worlds. We still got a lot of great disc golf left to be played this season. Um, definitely keep checking out this podcast and like and share comment too on Spotify of who you think is better, um, Ken Klima or Paul Macbeth. I'd love to hear some opinions on that too as well. But I am your host Chris Court, thank you all for listening to the forecast.